Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 25 of Poker All the Games. And I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast coast of the United States, along with co-host Martin Smith, who joins me from Malta. Not only do Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, and each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, but we also enjoy beers. So once again, we'll be starting off today's show with me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not listening to this while you're driving, and enjoy our discussion of mixed poker games. So I'm pouring an Evan John Vanilla Bean Porter from Pinelands Brewing Company in Little Egg Harbor, New Jersey. So a little bit outside of Atlantic City. Um, This is an easy drinking porter, as most are, as it's coming in at 4.3% ABV. And the name Evan John, it's named after the master brewer and brewery owner's eldest son. So let's have a smell. All right, I'm getting roasted malt, a little coffee, typical of a porter, and yeah, some uh, some of that vanilla that's been added to this one in the form of vanilla beans. Let's have a look. So this beer pours kind of a, a dark brown, a dark cola color, um, quite clear, a little bit of foam, not, not a lot of beer foam, maybe half a finger actually, if that, um, of foam. Uh, which is kind of standard for the style. Um, these porters don't necessarily have a lot of foam, not like a Hefeweizen or something, for example. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. So I'm getting uh, that roastiness that follows the nose, a bit of an earthy taste, some uh, sort of coffee espresso flavors, and of course the the hint of vanilla. There's also a touch of bitterness and acidity, which is often actually often present in dark beers. And a lot of that uh, acidity comes from the presence of dark malt in uh, in these beers. It's got moderate carbonation and light body, uh, which again fits the style. So once again, this is Pinelands Brewing Company's Evan John Porter, and it goes down nice and smooth and has the typical characteristics of a porter with vanilla beans. So while I sit back and continue to enjoy this one, Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? The beer I'm drinking today is an Italian beer called uh, Matrix Beer, uh, apparently named after Marco Materazzi, an Italian soccer player who uh, started in, in uh, defence for Italy when they won the World Cup in 2006, I think and uh, played for Inter in defence. Um, it's a Blanche beer, and I'm going to open it now. It's very light in colour. 
Um, pale yellow. Oh, yes, very yellow. Um, Smell-wise. <laughs> I don't have your uh, articulate knowledge of beers, Sean, but... <laughs> That gives you smell a nice beer. Do, I love yeah, right. interest. Do you know yeah, what a blanche right. beer is? Do you what what what, do, what makes a blanche beer a blanche beer as opposed to any other beer? Do you know that as a European thing? Yeah, well, th this is definitely a European beer. I'm glad you have found one that I have never heard of. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it looks like it's uh, the, the the website there is is in Italian, so I, I can't. Even though I'm Italian, I, I actually can't read it. I only know um, some curse words from my grandmother growing up in Italian. But uh, so yeah. we do have uh, Blanche beers here in the U.S. Getting back to your question, um, they're just kind of uh, like a white beer. I don't know. You said it's light in color, right? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, yeah, pale yellow. Yeah, so yeah. That, that that's kind of really what. Um, is meant uh, by a Blanche beer and probably not a lot made in the U.S., even though we can get them here. Um, they are mostly um, actually European beers. The, yeah. the sort of most famous one that I've had, I don't know if you've heard of this one, is would be um, something from Unibrew. Um, like it's called Blanc, I think, actually, and it's uh, 1664. Okay. It has like a like a year number after it. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, I believe, Belgium, if 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 I'm correct. So, uh, so I have had them. Yeah, just kind of light in color, uh, uh, mostly. And you know, it's part of the problem is that when when you think of a light beer in color like that, you think of a wheat beer. But you know, yeah. the, the Blanche beers aren't necessarily um, uh, wheat, although that they usually do consist of of some sort of wheat beer. But go ahead, continue, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's probably you know, there's no head. There's no foam on top. Um, it's 5% ABV and the taste is, 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 is it's a nice flavour. It's uh, a little bit of coriander there and maybe a little bit of orange. Um, I have actually found a translated webpage and apparently there's barley malt and wheat malt as well as hops. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not... A, I don't know the brewing industry as well as you do, Sean. But uh, that's 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 what I can what I can get from the website. But yeah, it's it's good. Um, I'm going to enjoy this while we go through the podcast. Cheers, Sean. Excellent. Salute. So all that means, Martin, is that people will probably understand your description better than mine that listen to this <laughs> podcast. So that's quite all right. They're probably listening to me like, "What are you talking about? It's just beer, man. Just drink up." Uh, so, there, so yeah, a, I guess. Go ahead. There's a rich variety of beers out there, and uh, people who have tried a few beers will realize that different nationalities yeah. produce their own styles, and it, it's it's a great world to explore. Yeah, and I guess I stand corrected. Maybe they do all contain wheat. You did mention uh, wheat there. And I think the difference we have here in the U.S. between like a Blanc would probably be more like what we call a wit beer because the wit beers usually have some some coriander, clove, um, some orange peel and things like that. So it's kind of a wheat beer. Um, yeah. So we call it a wit beer when it has those sort of uh, other components to it. So that's, okay, that's interesting. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to branch into other variations of poker. 
whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. Our goal here is to define the rules, the play, and easy to remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. So today's episode, we'll be covering pineapple open face Chinese poker. Wow, that's a mouthful. That almost sounds like a beer, pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, why don't you why don't you walk us through the game of pineapple open face Chinese poker? We'll see how long I can say that uh, as I work my way through this beer. Okay. Now, actually, interestingly, if it wasn't beer, I wouldn't touch it because I've got a mild allergy to pineapple. But, but oh no, <laughs> I can touch the cards. <laughs> Good, um, you can play the game at least. That's all yeah, that matters for, sure, for this podcast. For sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, pineapple open face Chinese poker is um, not a game where you're going to get anyone to fold. You have to play your cards to the end. Um, so, regardless of how bad badly you you don't like your hand, you, you have to stick in there and make the best out of it. It's a game with maximum three players at the table. Uh, you can play 200 or 300. And what you're going to do in this game is you'll receive several cards in turn and place them face up until you've made a 13-card hand consisting of three rows, a top, a middle, and a bottom. The top row shows three cards, the middle and bottom, five each. And the way this is dealt, initially the dealer will give five cards in turn to each player. The player to the left of the dealer button will go first. They will turn their cards over, all their five cards, and place them in one of each card in one of the three rows in front of them. Once they've made that decision where the cards go, they can't change that. After they receive the cards later on, they can't shuffle the cards around to suit the, the, the new cards that come out. They have to stick to that. So um, one of the things about pineapple open face Chinese poker is the top hand must not be stronger than the middle hand and the middle hand must not be stronger than the bottom hand because if that happens then you bust and you will lose to your opponents and depending on how well they score their hands it, it could become quite expensive so once those first five cards have been placed in turn by each player starting with the, from to the left of the dealer button the players then each get three cards the dealer, if you're playing live, will typically give the three cards together rather than one at a time. So three cards together to the first player, three cards to the second player, three cards to the third player. You don't use all these three cards. You use two cards. So placing them again on the board in front of you, two cards in any of the three rows that you have in front of you, and discarding one which you don't have to show to anybody. You can keep that one face down to keep that information away from your opponents. So the other two players will place their two cards and discard one. And then the dealer will give another three cards to each player in the same way. Three to the first, three to the second, three to the third. And this is repeated until eventually each player's had four times three cards and discarded one at each time, and place the other two cards in front of them. So at the end of that, each player will have three rows of, of cards, five at the bottom, five in the middle, three at the top. And uh, the, the game is actually, if it's three-handed, 
It's actually three heads-up matches. There's a match between the under the gun, if you like, the first person after the dealer button will call them under the gun, the second person to cut off, and the dealer button will call them the dealer. So the first match is between under the gun and the dealer, the second one is between under the gun and the cutoff, and the third is between the cutoff and the dealer. So you score one point for each row that you win against your opponent. And if you win all three rows, you get an extra bonus three points. You also score royalty points for the strength of hand that you make. On the bottom row, the lowest scoring hand possible is a straight, which scores two points. A flush scores four points. A full house, six. Quads, 10. A straight flush, 15. And a royal flush, 25. Those points in the middle are doubled. It's harder to make the strong hands in the middle. So you, the, for all those hands, the scores, the points are doubled. So it'd be four points for a straight, eight for a flush, etc. Bring up to 50 points for a royal flush. I've never seen that, but that would be amazing to get two royal flushes in this game. But also in the middle, you do score two points if you have three of a kind. On the top row, the lowest scoring point hand is a pair of sixes, which scores one point. And then each hand higher than that is one point, point higher than the previous one. So a pair of sevens is two, a pair of eights is three, going right up to three. Three of a kind aces, which will be 22 points. Now, if you are able to make a pair of queens or better on that top row without fouling, you then go into fantasy land. What this means is the button will stay where it is and the, the players that are not in fantasy land will be dealt their hands as normal, but the first five cards to each player are dealt as normal. Normally, but then the players that are in fantasy land then get an extra nine cards straight away. So they've got 14 cards, got 14 cards. They're going to be discarding one, but they can pick and choose where the cards go. They don't run the risk of fouling their hand. And that makes fantasy land a desirable place to be. Now, as far as the money that changes hands is concerned, before the game starts, there'll be a, a price per point agreed between the players. So it might be, you know, one dollar or one euro per point. And when you get to showdown, when you get to the end of the hand where everybody's placed all the cards, you'll settle up between the, the, the under the gun and dealer button first, then the under the gun and the cutoff, and finally the cutoff and the dealer button. Um, yeah, so when you're actually in Fantasyland, you can only stay in Fantasyland by either making quads or better on your bottom hand or three of a kind on your top hand. So it's harder to stay in Fantasyland than it is to get into Fantasyland. Okay, Sean, those are, that's a quick rundown of how the game's played. Do you have any questions at this point? Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe l let me go through some things and we can review a little bit. So first off, it this really is a shorthanded game, <laughs> you know. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, I yeah. Know, yeah um, which which is interesting. So heads up or 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 three three persons, and then to try to see if I got this straight now, the sort of the ranking of the the rows. 
So the bottom hand has to be the strongest. The bottom five card hand has to be stronger than the other two above it. Is that correct? Yeah. The only uh, the only the only time that doesn't apply is if the bottom hand and the middle hand are exactly the same. Okay, so they could be a tie, for example. Yeah, the, the middle hand cannot okay. beat the bottom hand. That, that's that's the okay. that's the rule. Yeah, so that's easy, right? So it's easy to get the the bottom two rows to beat the top row because the top row only has three of a kind. So I guess one of my questions is, how hard is it if you're not in fantasy land, right? Which makes it a lot easier because, like you said, you get all those cards at once and you can arrange them at will. But when you're not in fantasy land, is it? What's the difficulty level of keeping the bottom hand stronger than the middle? Does it um, is that have a term if you don't do that? Um, and uh, how difficult is that? Well, I, I think if you don't do that, you foul your hand. That, that's the term. As far as how okay. difficult it is, it depends on on, on the strategy you follow. And um, also, don't forget that the middle hand cannot be weaker than the top hand. And that's where that's often where people foul because it depends how aggressively one will will chase getting into fantasy land. So if we if one puts a high pair on top early on in the hand, you then need to find the cards that will beat that in the middle and the cards that will beat your middle hand at the bottom. Uh, that is that's a very common pattern that, that, that people will will take that approach. Because there's a real big bonus to, stay, to being in fantasy land, because you're not going to foul that next hand, and you can make the strongest hand in terms of points that is possible without running that risk of fouling. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I apparently, yeah, I, I kind of already made uh, an error in saying that I, I made an assumption which was very incorrect. Um, now that you explained it a little more it's not necessarily easy for the middle and bottom to meet the, beat the top. Um, just because I, yeah. I was just sort, sort of quickly thinking because there's five cards, it should be easier, but yeah, not necessarily. If you hit three, if you lay out three of a kind right away on the top, I mean, you know, so then you need some, <laughs> at least a straight, you, you know, or more, which isn't always easy to make as we know from, uh, from that, that is, that would be extremely, um, extremely risky and, uh, Great if you can achieve a qualifying hand by doing that, but uh, it tends to be more often that people put three of a kind on the bottom row. Yeah, so it, it seems like, it. yeah, it seems like there's, there's, I mean, there's obviously quite a quite a bit to this game. Um, I know it would probably take me a little while to sort of get going. I, I can't say I've ever played this one. In fact, when I met you in in Vegas um, at Robbie's Mixed Game Festival there were two tables going and at the one they seemed to be playing open face Chinese poker, you know, um, this, this yeah. game we're discussing today. And uh, I asked to be sat at the other table, which is where you were at, <laughs> which was fortunate for me, but uh, I, I, I wasn't ready to jump into uh, to this pineapple open face Chinese poker yet. And uh, so, okay. yeah, there's quite a bit Actually, to it. And uh, yeah, that, that was a typical example of when this game is played in my experience. Um, if there are only two or three people at the table waiting for others to join, and that was the case on that day, then they might play a number of hands of pineapple open face Chinese poker just to get get um, you know get started really, rather than having to wait or or play a game that's not usually played so short handed. 
Um, that happens frequently for me. I'll turn up on time for a game at the casino or, or a home game and the first one or two other players that have joined will we'll play some kind of open-faced Chinese until another player joins and then and then we'll go on to the, uh, the regular sort of mixed games roster, if you can call our, our roster regular. <clears throat> yeah, so do you find this um, in, in other casinos? Have you been in other casinos and, and sort of seen these this game played? Um, I have. I've, I've I've actually seen it spread at uh, tournaments in certain festivals in okay. that have that have a number of mixed games options. Um, I haven't seen outside Malta. I haven't seen this happen, but I think my sample size is quite small. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand it might be difficult for a casino to be able to justify you know a game that can have two or three players at, at most, um, you know, to, to pay a dealer for that. So uh, I can see that that might be part of the difficulty. Um, yeah, it, it is. And then, so, it, yeah, do you get a, a number of people? So there, there's a lot of rules and, you know, the, the scoring, the, the points, there's some sort of memorization there. Um, and then yeah. the deal and, and then the fantasy land. So that there, there is a bit going on. Um, is it, think- do, do you find it? people can just jump in and get playing and then sort of just make errors and maybe, maybe lose some money. And, and is that the quickest way to learn? Yeah. Um, new players to the game are well advised to get on their smartphones and Google the, the points and have them open them next to them before the, uh, before they start trying to put the cards out. Um, I was lucky when I first learned this game and Shout out to my friend Walter Schrubiers from Belgium, who is a very good Chinese, open-faced Chinese, pineapple open-faced Chinese poker player. Um, he taught me and and some of my friends this game, and he's very open in giving strategy tips. So I think quite a few of us learnt it very quickly to a reasonable level, although I would say that Walter is still the best player of this game that I know. So yeah, um, you you can go straight out there and play the game straight away. But if you don't have the the, the most experienced player uh, open to giving strategy tips like that, it's you're going to get fleeced. Really, you are. <laughs> um, so yeah. Can see that for sure. People, you know, like we're gamblers. We we love to we love to take advantage, yeah, even though it's yeah. a there's some skill involved in in these games. We we still like like to see the uh, person we can take advantage of for a while till they catch on. Yeah, yeah. One one rule I've got to mention is that when a person goes into fantasy land, the other players are not allowed to leave the table. So you, once once you play a hand and lose to someone or another player goes into fantasy land, you don't necessarily lose any money at that point. Um, you cannot leave the table. You have to play the next hand until there's nobody in fantasy land. Uh, unless between you, you've agreed a price for that to happen, which is something that we've come up with. I'm not sure whether that even occurs anywhere else. You might pay okay. 10 points to the person just to leave the table or something like that. Yeah, excellent. 
All right. Well, uh, I guess may maybe we covered a little bit of strategy talking about the different uh, rows of, of cards, but I don't know. Do you have any uh, any other beginner's tips uh, to get us started? Yeah, sure. Um, now, generally, Sean, in these podcasts, I think I'm going to start these strategy sections with a don't be the mug uh, <laughs> suggestion. And my first my first don't be the mug uh, applying to pineapple open face Chinese is don't be the mug who puts low cards at the bottom. Um, okay. You see people tempted to do this or you see people do this sometimes. Let's say, for example, you dealt ace-jack-9-7-4. The ace-jack and nine are heart, club, spade, and the seven, four are both diamonds. And they think, I know, I'll go for a flush on the bottom. They put the seven, four on the bottom. They might put the ace on the top, which is what I would go. I would put the ace on top in the, in the, in the it starts me working towards fantasy land, but then they might put the jack 10 in the middle. Usually, Sean, in this game, when you qualify fantasy land or as the hand develops, you find that you leaning on two pairs in the bottom and the middle hands. So that's seven, four of diamonds. Unless you're very lucky and you pick up more diamonds, you're going to end up with two pairs that cannot be beaten by two pairs in the... Sorry, that cannot beat two pairs in the middle because you've already put jack nine in the middle. And therefore, you can't support a pair of aces on top. So you put yourself up against it. So, so don't be the mug that plays the, the low cards on the bottom when they set their first five cards. Um, the next strategy tip is strive, strive to reach fantasy land. So like I said, I would put an ace on top if I'm dealt ace, jack nine, seven, four. I put the ace on top immediately, but I wouldn't make the jack nine the bottom, to the bottom pairing cards and the seven, four, the middle pairing cards. Not worry about the fact that it's, it's not going to be a flush at the bottom. Um, because like I say, quite often you're looking to make two pairs at the bottom, two pairs in the middle and a pair of aces at the top. But also by doing this, the jack nine at the bottom, seven, four in the middle, you're leaving yourself open to other things like straights, straights at the bottom, even a straight in the middle if you've made a straight at the bottom. And that, that's the next tip is try to keep your options open all the time as you go. So as you're setting the cards, um, if you've, if you've gone, out, gone with that combination I've just described, ace at the top and seven, four in the middle and jack nine at the bottom, maybe you get a 10 and a seven, or I'll say a 10 and a four next, and another card. You put the 10 at the bottom and a four in the middle. You can still make two pairs in the bottom with jacks and tens, jacks and nines, or tens and nines. You still make two pairs in the middle with sevens and fours. But you can also go for a straight at the bottom with your jack 10 9. Um, and finally, when you do go into fantasy land, work out the combination of hands, the combination of the three hands on the board that gives you the highest number of points. Quite often that will be with the high pair at the top because high pairs score. Like for example, a pair of kings is eight points. If you broke up a pair of kings to put a flush at the bottom, the flush only gives you four points. So depending on what hands you can make, quite often it's, it's good to go for the high pairs at the top. Okay, so there's there's a few strategy tips. Any more questions? All right. Yeah, no, I, I 
I like it. It's not as it's not quite as complicated as I I, I think it seemed um, mm -hmm. in, in the beginning uh, when I was in Las Vegas. But uh, I'm not quite ready to try it yet. But I I think I'll go back, listen to this podcast again, and uh, I'm gonna be ready to 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 try some pineapple open face Chinese poker for sure. Um, yeah, thanks, oh, Martin. Good. I approve. We, we appreciate. Yeah, the uh, the rules of play, and uh, of course, the, the strategy tips are uh, they're gonna go a long way. Um, and uh, I'll try not to be the fish or the mug, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good. All right. Okay, let's uh, move on to some uh, mixed game news. So here in the U.S., uh, we had the Poker Go Tour uh, Mixed Game Festival Series that just recently wrapped up. And uh, some, some big name players in that and uh broke some records actually um with the number of uh of players in some of these uh ten thousand dollar buy-in uh mixed game uh events so elia lesra whom we know well um is a seven card stud specialist uh top the field in the 10k there you go triple stud mix which is stud high stud eight or better and raz and then we have another big name sean deeb who won the $10,000 horse. And I know some places are renaming this Heroes just to keep uh, keep the games a little separate, um, to try to keep the players sort of uh, on track because it, it, it can be difficult when you're playing two games in a row that get the same number of cards. Um, if you're if for some reason you're at the table and you're a mug and you're not paying attention to which game is being yeah, played, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you might make a mistake. And I've seen mistakes happen in horse. Um, I've actually taken advantage of players at the table online playing who were, they were either obviously playing the wrong game or they just didn't know what they were doing. I'm not sure, but either way um, <laughs> I, I've beaten yeah. them out of some hands. And then we have another player, Dan Zach, who actually plays in Atlantic city and also at parks casino in Philadelphia who took the player of the series, um, even though he didn't win an actual event. Um, he did make five consecutive final tables, including uh, chopping the 10 game mix with uh, Jason Mercier. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Five consecutive tables, um, sort of a local East coaster um, who we can see on the, some of the East coast, Northeast coast uh, casinos took player of the, of the year uh, player of the series. Sorry. So what do you have for us as far as mixed game news uh, from Europe, Martin? And I'm going to pause here, Martin, for a second. We have probably about eight minutes, just so you know. So, yeah, no, we are looking at yep. really short of time. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know, I, don't, I, I don't have any mixed game news in Europe, in Europe at the moment. So okay. we can move on to the events, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Let me go over some uh, upcoming mixed game events in the U.S. Just a reminder about uh, Robbie Straczynski's Mixed Game Festival from March 19th to 23rd at Resorts World in Las Vegas. And also the upcoming Win Millions series has some mixed game tournaments from uh, February 20th to March 19th. The Orleans in Las Vegas has mixed game tournaments every Wednesday at 4 p.m., of a, which is a $150 buy-in of 08 and study. And you can follow uh, Vegas Mixed Games on Twitter, um, where there's some other mixed game tournaments posted. Now, the big news that I do want to uh, spend a few minutes on here is I want to update um, the World Series of Poker schedule came out just after our last episode, interestingly enough. Um, so I'm going to briefly um, update that. I actually go through every year and I have a, a spreadsheet and I list every single non hold them event um so there is some plo etc in there 
um, and some short deck, which I actually, I know it's Hold'em, but it's, to me, it's a, it's a fascinating game. So just, I, I basically list every game that's not just simply no limit um, Hold'em. And at this year's event, we actually have an increase in mixed games, which is great. So in 2022, there were a total of 88 live events and 37 of them were mixed uh, non-Hold'em games for 42% total. And now in 2023, they actually have seven more total um, events for a total of 95 total uh, events. And 42 of those are non-No Limit Hold'em, non-Hold'em events um, for a total of 44%. So an extra 2%. So uh, I find that interesting. And the, the biggest piece is there are five additional games this year, like I just mentioned with the numbers, um, versus last year. One is the $50,000 horse, which actually was uh, present in 2021. They excluded it in 2022, and it has now returned um, for 2023. And they've added a few games, which I'm excited about, actually. Um, they added a $1,500 short deck No Limit Hold'em event, which is great. You know, I've only ever seen these short deck uh, No Limit Hold'em events um at huge buy-ins so i'm happy they have a, a $1,500 buy-in they've added a badoogie $1,500 buy-in which is the first time um, that i'm aware that they've had badoogie not in a mixed event and they've also added big o which is five card plo eight or better um at a $1,500 buy-in as well and again i've only seen that in mixed um mixed game events as well and the fifth game that they've added is a mixed Omaha eight and stud eight. And I do believe that Alan Kessler um, made some noise on Twitter last year about them not having that. So they did add a, um, a buy-in uh, for that event. And that is um, at the $2,500 range. So those are a lot of games and there's a ton more um, at the WSOP. And uh, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit each of the, at, during each of our uh, podcasts. So what do you have um, as far as mixed game players in Europe for events, Martin? It's uh, quite a busy time already this year. While we're recording this podcast, the festival series in Nottingham is going ahead and the Spitten Special has already run. I think they're already running the eight-game tournament as we speak. Um, I've recently become aware of another festival, the Norwegian Masters, the Turnerings Program Norwegian Masters 2023 runs from the 21st of March to the 2nd of April. And it starts with a series of mixed games, including a big bet mix, a high-low mix, which is the same that you just described, which is stood high-low and, and Omaha high-low fixed limit, which is quite unusual in Europe. There's an eight-game event. There's uh, a low-ball mix, a low-ball draw mix, and a dealer's choice event. Um, so that's that's one I'm, I'm disappointed that I have to miss that one. Um, there are also a couple of other higher buy-in events. They're all quite affordable buy-ins. Quite a couple of other higher buy-in events later in that festival. And two more eight games and an open-faced a pineapple open-faced Chinese event. So that that looks like a really good event for mixed games players. I'm sure there'll be good side games, good cash games at the side as well. Um, and then 
there's the festival in Malta, the festival series that's currently in Nottingham in England comes to Malta in May. Um, yeah, th that's it for now. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit. I'm glad we're happy to see that we're, we're highlighting these and um, it's it sort of bringing to attention that, that there are quite a few. It's just, you got to dig a little bit to, uh, to find them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's, uh, we'll move on here to, uh, any recent mixed gameplay. Unfortunately, my new year's resolution isn't working out. I guess that's typical mm -hmm. of new year's resolutions, right? Yeah, I said I was going to try to play more mixed games. I, yeah, I've got some work to do it. Thank goodness. I didn't have a weight loss, um, new year's resolution. Cause that'd be <laughs> out the window right away. So, but, uh, I, I will get, uh, get it on my schedule. I've been quite busy here so far this year. Um, and I, I just need to, once I fit it into my, uh, my schedule that I'll, uh, I'll have a regular setup. And I do want to quickly mention, I keep forgetting this game that runs at parks casino. There is a, an OA and, uh, a study mixed game that does run similar to that, um, one they added at the WSOP. So Martin, uh, why don't you, uh, tell us about any recent mixed game play of your own? Okay. Um, online. And uh, last week I had my first losing week of the year, but it was a very small loss. And already this week I've recovered that and more. Um, probably lost enough for a main course at our local restaurant. And I've made up, I can buy ring, uh, I can buy main course for five or six people now with the, with the amount that I've made up back. So, so I, I, I actually won another low stakes mixed games tournament on Poker Stars this week, that was a four dollar forty horse tournament. So I'm I'm quite pleased with how that's going. As far as live play is concerned, I've not played any tournaments in casinos, but I did organise two mixed games cash games since the last podcast. The first one uh, it started off badly for me. I was down nearly two hundred big blinds or twenty big bets very quickly, but I. Cashed out later on when, when the game finished, uh, up just under 300 big blinds or exactly 29 big bets, actually. So that went pretty well for me, actually. So I had arranged a cash game for February the 10th, which is a public holiday in Malta at the casino, Portomasso Casino in St. Julian's. A lot of people had signed up to play as it was a public holiday. It was quite popular. People were able to go, had time off work. And on the day, Storm Helios happened. So I live on Malta's second island, which is called Gozo. I need a ferry to get to the main island to get to the casino. And the ferries were not working because the storm was so bad. So everyone else, who all live on Malta itself, they all went and had a great time. Chips were flying. A lot of players joined in that had never played mixed games before. And one of my friends ended up plus 900 big blinds. Which, uh, which is a pretty high win rate in that game. And I was gutted to miss it. Well, if you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games. And Martin... Where, what is the title of your book and where can listeners find it? My book, also available on Amazon, but only as an audio book at the moment. I'm working on 
a paperback version, hopefully for this spring to be released. It's called Potley Mixed Vitam Special and a, a European version of Dromahar. It starts at the basic level, describing how the game is dealt and the rules. It then goes through the full range of starting hands, how to play the flop, the draw, the turn, the river. Various probabilities for completing both draw hands and Omaha hands are given in parts of the book, in tables and in explanations. There's also a quiz section with decision points from a number of hands that I had played, where you're offered different options. And this covers when you're drawing cards, which ones to discard, as well as what to do at the in the betting rounds. Well, that's all for episode 25, Pineapple Open Face Chinese Poker. Join us again in three weeks for episode 26, since Martin will be away winning tournaments, where we will discuss Best Best, also known as Ultimate High Low. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R All the Games and subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com. And Martin, where can our listeners follow you? My Twitter handle is at Poker for Leisure. That's P-O-K-E-R, number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. Or Poker for Leisure if you're in the US. My Substack is not really going yet, but hopefully I'll get that done soon. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can.